From the fish-filled Midwest lakes to the deep woods of the north, upland prairies filled with pheasants to whistling wings of duck ponds, this is Thursday Night Fan Outdoors. This is the show for hunting and fishing tips, topics, and conversation. Loaded up and ready to go, it's the Captain Billy Hildebrand and Colt Front Mike Curry. One minute after the hour of 7 o'clock, one minute and 10 seconds to be exact. Fan Outdoors coming your way until the 9 o'clock hour. Billy Hildebrand here along with my good buddy Mike Curry. And apologies right off the bat because I have a cold and I can feel a cough coming on. <laughs> oh, no. Say it isn't so, Bill. How do you get these summer colds? Aren't you, as a kid, don't you build up immunities as you get older? Well, uh, and I've <laughs> been in school for a career. I had uh, I put up with an awful lot of stuff, and I was hoping that we'd build up some stuff. And I don't get sick very often, but... Boy, this one, and congratulations to my wife. I caught it with both hands. <laughs> with her? From her? Yeah, from her. Oh, great. Does she still uh, have the uh, uh, the telltale signs no, of said cold? but she's busy nursing and doctoring with me. Oh, she, uh, she's yeah. taking good care of me. Well, she's taking care of me. Let's oh. just leave it at that. <laughs> well, you've had a pretty busy uh, couple of weeks, though, haven't you? It's been a really fun couple of weeks. Uh, Eric and Danielle... We're married last weekend, and up at Gathered Oaks, up in Alexandria. And if anybody is thinking about uh, a venue for a wedding, you can't, absolutely cannot beat that. And Andrew, up there, uh, he's taking. He is uh, one of the owners. He and his wife own it. Phenomenal place, an old barn that's been converted into a wedding venue, and they're not done yet. They're in the process of it. But it is incredibly beautiful, and it sits on the shores of a lake. And actually, Eric brought a couple of spinning rods with braid down. (laughs) Now that's a traditional wedding, right? (laughs) Yeah, he brought some rods down with some um, disposable cameras, and it's all surrounded by lily pads and stuff, and it's a real little lake that's connected to Ida. And they uh, people went down, especially on towards sundown. They caught a bunch of fish. They did. Yeah, and it was a hoot. <laughs> it was really a hoot. Uh, now, who'd have thunk to go fishing on your wedding night? Well, Andrew said nobody that's been there has ever done that, nor would he have ever thought of it, but he was going to recommend it to others. I, I think it's a great idea, and, and especially for Eric and Danielle. I mean, they're they're outdoors people, yeah, uh, and uh, be able to have a little, a little bass uh, along with uh, all the other fun that's associated with getting married and, and for the rest of their lives, uh, that, that, that's a cool, cool – that's something that will, that hardly anybody's ever duplicated. And to be unique like that, I think that's awesome. Uh, it was It was incredibly fun. And a lot of planning, uh, a long time in the works, but kudos to Danielle because she uh, pretty much planned a lot of it with some help from the parents, but she wanted to be on top of it, and she was. And Eric was involved in that, too. They they shared a lot of the responsibilities, but it really fell on Danielle's shoulders, and then toward the end, uh, Danielle's brother got in a motorcycle accident, so Eric had to 
to do some things, but he's doing much. Uh, Brian is doing much better. So, That's so it's been news. a busy couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's been a good couple of weeks. So you had a busy couple of weeks. You were up in Canada. I was up in Canada. I've been on Lake Vermilion uh, for ten days and fishing in all locations was outstanding. Good. It was just a lot of fun. It's just getting. Those are things that uh, because of retirement now I can spend a little bit extra time doing them along with all the other chores that that I've wanted to get done for years and years and years. But to just be able to relax, fish at a pace that it, it, it didn't have to be frantic. I mean, you've got to cram everything into an eight-hour day. I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. And that is that, that is such a difference. And letting the walleyes basically come to you. All right, and, now tell us, how would you catch the walleyes? Well, yeah, I mean, it's as simple as it gets. You go to a spot that looks fishy. You look at your uh, locator, and in this case, I was looking at my downscan and uh, the the normal uh, my FL8, the old old style. And I'm going, well, I'm going. That's a fish. That's a fish. The fish were everywhere between you know ten feet to fifty feet, and just drop a jig down, little, little piece of night crawler, and use a glow jig, uh, and go nice and slow, and wait for them to bite. It was it, it's that easy. Is there, are there other people up there, too? Um, the, the area of the lake that we were at, there's literally only uh, uh, Don Pereira, the uh, fisheries chief who uh, recently retired, and, and a couple of our buddies that were up there. And nobody else was fishing the areas that we were. Now, there was a, there are boats that were probably about five miles away that we did uh, see a little bit longer. But this lake is 120 miles long. The Lac Sewell is where we're at. And the uh, depths range from, you know, to the little... Well, I, I, Jack Joseph Enderbars uh, from uh, the fishing industry lost his lower unit up there, you know, a couple of years ago, and so uh, those rocks seem to come up out of nowhere. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you, the fishing was fantastic. There were very few people around, and when you have a when you can have a slow day at seventy walleyes for two people in one boat, that's a really good day. That's a fun day. That's a fun day, and we're and we're talking now and. And, and this is coming from the fisheries chief, the retired fisheries chief. I always told him that that these were fighting walleyes, and that and he always uh, questioned my intelligence on on these fish. But he now agrees, and and uh, the, these walleyes fight. If you catch a two pounder, you swear you got a four or five pounder. You catch a four or five pounder, and by the way, we had a one twenty four inch walleye that weighed just a hair under six pounds. Wow! So these fish know how to fight. And you should have seen the smallies that we caught the last day. They were, a football doesn't do it justice. A double football, they were just powerful and wide. And like Linval Joseph, you know, that, that's what kind of, uh, literally what kind of smallmouth you had. And my uh, one buddy, Bob, caught an 18-incher uh, on the last fish of the, of the, of the trip. 12-minute fight to get that thing in. It just would not give up. And so it's a great fishery. highly recommend it. It's no-brainer fishing. Just read your electronics. Do a little jigging on, uh, on the bobbin. Do a little jiggy uh, on the bottom with a, a jig and a nightcrawler, um, and uh, fish fries galore. Did you stay at a resort, or did you ca- camp? We we stayed. At, uh, they do have camping availabilities up there, and they also have houseboats. Uh, but we stayed in a housekeeping uh, in Makwa is the name of it, about in the middle. And then we uh, literally drove about twenty minutes back to some of the old haunts that uh, that we used to fish. Fishing memories, uh, for sure, and uh, they let us down the first day, but went back there the third day, and they were there again. So, 
you really just have to spend a little bit of time we in search out new areas because the fish are everywhere up there and and they're are they very tasty no they're outstanding fresh walleye uh into the deep fryer it uh a walleye fresh dinner and cheesy potatoes fried all that grease it was excellent bill excellent <laughs> Well, but do you think that the the taste, as good as it is, has a lot to do with the location and where you are? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question about it. When uh, there's, uh, you get some, we met some great people up there. Uh, Jerry Riggie's brother, we met up there. Haas was up there uh, uh, part of the time. We met some uh, St. Paul and Minneapolis police uh, folks up there, and uh, uh, they were just just a hoot to be around. I mean, that that's what fishing, you know, the, the fishing was great, but the people that were around just made the whole trip just spectacular. Could you leave right from the resort, or did you have to tra- travel your boat to get somewhere? In this particular Makwa, you can drive right to it, which is which is awesome. And they've got the great facility. They've got everything for your boat that you need, along with gas and electric for trolling motors. Uh, and I thought the housekeeping side was just was great. Uh, there was five of us in an eight-person cabin, it was neat and clean, but you know it wasn't the it wasn't the Hilton, but it was uh, again when when you have these guys, everybody pitches in and does a little bit of work. I mean, a little bit of work. It made it so easy, and um, you know, five or six guys getting along so well that oh, I'm guessing that might grow next year to a, a few more people. Uh, on Twitter, the uh, handles Minnesota Bass Fishing. He said that he and his wife went fly fishing on their wedding night. Ah, there we so. go. Yeah, good for them. Um, well, it sounds like you had a great time. Now you're back to re- reality. Yeah, just for a little bit. I uh, got a couple more trips planned. Uh, one for uh, Boundary Waters coming up here uh, in the latter part of uh, September. And then uh, again with Don Prayer, we're going to go Lake of the Woods and, and do a little musky and, and walleye action too. So, yeah, life is pretty good. And you want to throw in maybe a little duck hunting and a little grouse hunting this year. Uh, and oh, yeah, those wily pheasants, I think they're all on the. Uh, they're all on the menu. I just hope there's. Uh, uh, I hope they're not sold out. If, uh, well, you got to go look on that. <laughs> exactly. Hey, let's take a pause because we are going to talk. We're talking fishing right now. We'll talk some more fishing a little bit later in the program. But coming up right around the corner, we're going to switch it over to big game, big whitetail game, and uh, Eric Thorson will join us, who is the acting big game program leader, talking about the Minnesota. A deer plan that was just released, and there's going to be about 35 meetings around the state that you can get information on and learn more about it. Uh, nothing will change this year, but you can get a lot of information and make your your voice heard, too. And that's uh, a little bit different than me because my voice is probably cracking and heard, but crackly. Uh, a little bit later in the program, we're going to switch it over to some kids' events, and it's a pretty special one because I'm looking forward to this, too. So, uh, Jason Durham, he's around the corner, too, but not quite around the corner. It's Eric Thorson from the DNR next on Fan Outdoors. This is Fan Outdoors. 
From the Holiday Station Stores Traffic Center, here's a look at the roads. On 94 eastbound, we have a stolen vehicle blocking the right shoulder at Hen. Plus, on 94 westbound, traffic is busy between Riverside Avenue and 35W. On northbound Highway 100, we have a crash taking up the two left lanes at Excelsior Boulevard. Traffic is stacking up from Benton Avenue. Plus, on northbound Highway 13, we have a crash blocking two lanes at Lynn Avenue. Traffic is slow from County Road 101. On 35W northbound, we have a tight pocket between 46th Street and 36th Street. And that's traffic on the fan. This report is brought to you by La Quinta Inns and Suites. Hey there, you road warrior business traveler. Want to win on your next summer road trip? Stay at La Quinta with stylish, updated lobbies and renovated rooms. You've got two more ways to win at business. Book now at LQ.com. We're back. One of the guys writes the the uh, Bradshaw and Bryant inbox and says that uh, he's one month until bow opener, and he says the topwater bass bite is absolutely incredible. Ooh, my favorite. And I would concur with that, too. It's that time of year. Uh, the everything is in really good shape, but it is, and even yeah, if you got some heavy cover, it doesn't even have to be the time of day. I mean, usually early and late, or cloud cover. Cloud cover has I always mean, been a key. Yeah. If you've got heavy, if you've got heavy, uh, heavy, um, heavy, uh, heavy tackle, we'll we'll no, do it. Heavy, uh, heavy vegetation. Jigs. Vegetation. There we go. Duh. Weeds. Weeds. I can say weeds again now that I'm, <laughs> that I'm retired. Weeds. Yeah. Heavy weeds. So, yeah, it's uh, and it's uh, frog fishing this time of year is really fun. I love frog fishing. Yep, no doubt about it. And they've got some uh, neat, uh, neat frogs on the market out there now. You know, and I'll go back to, I'll say some things I've always said. Yeah, the packaging sells fishermen. What does a fish see? They've got all these ornate designs on the backs of the frogs. What does a fish see? The bottom, of either white do. or 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 black, white, brown, or black. Yeah, yeah. And that's all it is. The rest of it is just for you. Yep, that I makes agree. You feel good. Yeah, but it feels good when when I set the hook on because that really truly you have to set the hook, but you got to wait. Uh, yeah, you have to wait. Yeah, but setting the hook uh, on a top water, and I think the hooks make more of a difference than anything. I mean, you want good hooks, and one of the things that I've done, and I always have done is I'll put extra rattles in the in the frogs. Mm. And you just pop them in the inside of a hollow frog, and then they make more noise so the fish can zero in on them. And zeroing in is good. Zero is good. Yeah, especially, uh, uh, but don't set the hook until, well, I, you know, what's your what's your uh, rule of thumb? Uh, it, until you feel it? Well, I've always, when when I had people out with me, I would always tell them to hold the rod right up in front of their face when they're fishing a frog because when they get a bite, they have to drop the rod down 
and then set the hook. Yeah, they can't do it. If they try to do it, they aren't going to lose a fish because they're going to hit themselves in the head. Yeah, good call. So, good call. Anyway, our guest is on hold. Let's uh, bring him into the conversation. He is the acting big game leader, big game program leader, Mr. Eric Thorson. Eric, good evening, sir. Good evening. How are you? Good. And yourself? Very well. Good. Hey, the the uh, DNR just released the new deer plan for the state of Minnesota, and there's a number of meetings that are going to take place around the state. Um, tell us a little bit about those meetings, and what is it? What's it going to? What's going to happen at them? Yeah. Um, so that was one of the first steps identified in our, our new strategic uh, statewide deer plan that's um, scheduled to guide uh, white-tailed deer management in the state for the next 10 years or so. And one of the main uh, goals of that is to imp- improve communication and stakeholder satisfaction with our deer management program in Minnesota and, we, and uh, our de- deer management advisory group um, that uh, provided recommendations on the plan to Minnesota DNR um, um, recommended that we host these area-level meetings uh, across the state um, for area wildlife managers to talk with um, their uh, local deer hunters, you know, and other citizens that are interested in deer, and and, and kind of have a, a, a formal scheduled um, opportunity for them to come in and talk about deer and deer management issues. Well, Eric, that's really nothing new. We've uh, those. Uh Meetings have been around for a long time. What's going to make these different uh, versus what happened, you know, ten or fifteen years ago? Yeah, I mean, in the past we've had public oppor- public input opportunities for um, hunters and other folks to come in and kind of weigh in on different regulations or um, ideas that we have um, for implementing it in upcoming deer seasons. Um, and so they we had you know certain issues on on the table, and these are kind of more wide open, kind of open house style. Um, so it's meant to increase kind of two-way communication so we can um, tell them a little bit about, about our local deer management, um, what we're thinking, and, and and probably more importantly, we can listen to them and, and hear their ideas and what they're seeing in the field and, and maybe uh, help develop some proposals and help improve deer management and, and improve understanding on kind of the local level and, and kind of develop those relationships between the area wildlife managers and the citizens that they serve in their, their communities and their areas. Eric, and it's, there's no planned presentation, is it? Uh, there's uh, It's more informal. Normal, just a, a conversation. That's correct, but we—I mean—we certainly expect to um, have a number of deer hunters um, attend. You know, we just released the um, deer season um, details and, and regulations for this coming fall, so I imagine there'll be a lot of questions about that and how um, those regulations will help achieve our population goals across the state. So we're certainly prepared to talk about um, the deer seasons in the local area and, and why the seasons were set the way they are and what the population levels are like, and, and hear from. Um, hunters and others, what they think about those particular uh, bag limits and, and seasons. Um, and uh, also, you know, we just released our statewide deer plan. You know, we had meetings similar to this in April um, where we um, heard from people about the draft deer plan and helped explain that. Um, and that was just finalized in July, as, as you mentioned. Uh, so we expect to get a, a fair number of questions about this final deer plan and what it actually means for, for management in Minnesota. So I think those would be the two major topics of, of discussion. So we're prepared to talk about those, but also, you know, want to highlight some, you know, local deer management activities, maybe some habitat management projects, special hunts, um, you know, issues that are important to, to local folks um, as they relate to deer management as well. So um, kind of uh, wide open, but we are certainly prepared to talk about um, the likely key uh, highlights, I guess, of, of uh, and, and the seasonal things that people are interested in. Well, Eric, you've got, since those are all out, I, I believe that there's uh, very few bucks-only areas this year. Uh, and uh, can you talk a little bit about what you guys have done 
It's not. Uh, it, we've got both a a a, a, a view at a hundred thousand feet view uh, with the deer plan, but you're still drilling down to areas too, right? That's correct. I mean, um, you know, it's kind of reinforced in the deer plan that we'll continue to manage deer populations at the two-year permit area level. So we have 130 of those across the state, and as you mentioned. Um, only have one buck-only area um, up in uh, far um, on the northern border um, in the same permit area that we had last year. Those bucks only are still recovering from some some harsher winter conditions. Um, but elsewhere in the state, pretty much uh, a similar season to last year, and in most cases uh, um, a little bit more liberal than last year. So a lot of them moved up. Um, a designation might go from from lottery to hunter's choice, so you don't need to apply for an antlerless permit anymore. You know, some of them went from hunter's choice to um, managed, um, where you have a two deer bag limit this year, um, as opposed to one last year. So, um, you know, fairly healthy and robust deer populations across the state, and we've liberalized deer seasons in in many areas to reflect that and and to uh, manage towards deer population goals that we've set. Our guest is Eric Thorson from the Department of Natural Resources, and Eric the. People should not come to the meeting expecting to have an impact on the regulations this year, should they? No, no, they they have been set. Um, you know, they they are um, written in emergency rule, um, and so the, the seasons are set. The the, pub, the book have, has been published, but certainly interested in hearing from folks what their observations are, what they think about the, um, the the deer season decisions for this year, and you know, managers will take that into account as they um, look forward to next year and and see where we are relative to the the goals. Um, that have been set by the public and, and stakeholder teams um, in the past. So certainly interested, always interested to hear from um, landowners and hunters and, and foresters and others um, what they're seeing in the field and, and help us uh, make the best decisions for, for the local deer populations. Uh, how is it able to, how are you able to manage uh, the population in a specific area? Because they've got to change around the state dramatically, don't they? Yes. Yep. And there's a lot, you know the the two main drivers we do we have a um, a, a researcher in Medio Oil that that has a deer population model and um, for many permit areas in the state we generate a population estimate um, and compare that to where we are with goal goal levels and two of the main inputs to that on an annual basis are how severe the winter are is uh, when we measure that by the winter severity index. Um, you know, how deep the snow is and how, how many cold days that we have. And, you know, those kind of have a cumulative effect on, on deer and, and can cause mortality and, and survival issues. Um, and then also the other main thing is, is hunter harvest. And, of course, we have mandatory um, uh, deer registration here in the state of Minnesota, so we have very good uh, reliable estimates of, on how many deer are taken by hunters each fall. And so that's factored into the model as well. So um, each year we produce a, a population estimate for most deer permit areas in the state and um, compare that to where what the goals are, and then decide if we want to stabilize that population, increase the population, or decrease it, um, you know, comparing it to what the population goal is. The overall harvest for the state of Minnesota, Eric, is that pretty much agreed on on an overall basis, or will that change from year to year, too? Um, that, that changes depending on what the deer population is out there, and also... Um, what type of regulations, you know, how liberal or conservative they are across the state, and then also it's um, influenced by what the weather conditions are, you know, especially during the, the beginning of the regular firearm season. Um, determines how much deer move and how much um, hunters uh, stay out in the field and, and harvest deer. Um, but we can, we do generate estimates of what the harvest might be under normal conditions. Um, this past year we harvested about 197,500, um, which is a pretty good, pretty good harvest. Um, and uh, as you may have heard, this new statewide deer plan has a has a harvest target 
of uh, 200,000, and so that's something that we're going to try to achieve um, um, in the coming years, you know, on, on average. But generally speaking, uh, Eric, has the uh, fawn population uh, done really well this spring? Was the timing on, on, the, on the strange spring or lack thereof have any effect this year? Yeah, you know, um, you know, when we were setting deer uh, regulations this spring, there was concern with managers, especially in the northern part of the state and and, uh, and uh, across much of Minnesota, because we did have a uh, prolonged winter and a, and a late spring, and and that is known to have some effect on, on deer. You know, we like to see green grass in the spring, and that's when most of the, um, you know, the does are developing the fetuses inside, and and, and so the better. Um, condition that the does are in in late spring, the larger those fawns are when they're born, and and the more um, likely they are to survive. And you know the doe produces more milk and stuff for the fawn. So um, it, it was a concern, and certainly on the minds of of deer managers um, in the kind of um, northeastern half of the state. Um, but uh, all indications are that uh, you know it looks like it's been a pretty good fawn crop, and you know, we had fairly mild winter. It just was uh, was prolonged into the spring, so I don't think there's uh, a, a large effect on fawns that are, that we've been noticing. But we can always make adjustments for next year if, if the um, fawn population or the, the population um, and harvest isn't quite what we expected because oh. deer quickly rebound. Um, they have a high reproductive. Is the uh, the disease issues are they taken into account, especially the chronic wasting disease down in southeastern Minnesota? Yeah, um, you know we do have chronic wasting disease in in the wild deer population in in 603, probably at a fairly low prevalence rate yet, so not really have an effect on the population yet. But we certainly um, take that into account because we're doing um, disease testing and surveillance um, in a number of permit areas in the state. Uh, really focused on southeastern Minnesota this year um, because of the, the um, various uh, threats that are, are down there and, and ongoing issues in, in southeastern Minnesota. Uh, I believe there's some uh, um, deadlines coming up uh, for some of the deer hunters out there. I think Camp Ripley and some of the youth hunts, uh, is it tomorrow? Yep, yep Friday, uh, August 17th, so tomorrow is a deadline to apply for the Camp Ripley regular archery hunts and also the youth hunts that are being held around the state, so some really um, good and unique opportunities there that uh, deer hunters can take advantage of. And then the next deadline is September 6th, um, when the um, is a deadline for analyst permits um, for, for lottery areas, kind of the blue permit areas in the state, and most of those are in northeastern Minnesota and southwestern Minnesota. Um, so folks that want, are interested in shooting an antlerless deer with their firearm or muzzleloader um, should buy their license and, and declare that permit area um, um, before or on um, September 6th. And then that's also the deadline for um, applying for special um, firearms and muzzleloader hunts, like in state parks and that kind of thing around the state. Well, I'm going to have to uh, guess I'm going to have to get on my horse and, and get in there and get that done. But, Eric, thanks so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. And we have uh, hope you all the success in, on these uh, manager meetings. And have, I really want to say that people need to get out there and, and make their voice heard uh, at these meetings. And, and whether good, bad, or indifferent, uh, you guys are going to be listening. That's right, and you know we have a number of meetings scheduled all across the state, so uh, 35 locations. So there should be a meeting not too far from you. So I'd encourage you to look on the DNR website or the news release and uh, and find the the closest location and and go um, meet and visit with your area wildlife manager. Excellent. Thanks, Eric. We will. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear more about it as we go along. Yes. Yep. That's Eric Thorson. <laughs> That's Eric. 
Eric, he's, he's the big game guy. He knows everything about deer hunting. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and take a break right now. We'll come back and oh, let's maybe talk a little fishing. As if we haven't talked about it enough, but uh, we can never talk about enough fishing. Stand by. We're going to set the hook on some more good times. This is Fan Outdoors. football draft season is here and nothing will get you better prepared than KFAN's fantasy football training camp. Football crazed people just like you and me all together in one place August 18th at 4.30 live from Canterbury Park. Thirty-seven minutes after the hour of seven o'clock, on a fan outdoors Thursday evening. One week from tonight, we'll be out at the Minnesota State Fair, and it should be kind of fun. I think. I hope anyway. Looking for double wides and um, and uh, mm, let me see, corn, uh, cheese curds, alligator, and Jason Durham. Well, let's find out what his favorite state fair meal is. First, does he go to the state fair? Jason, good evening, sir. I've never been there. <gasps> You're lying to me. I know. No, I'm not lying. Huh. I've never been to the state fair. Have you guys? I can't even believe that. Not for Crestliner, not for any of the ice team or anything like that? I wish I would have, but I haven't. Does this have anything to do with teaching? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) It it does. It does. Well, that's all right. What are you guys looking forward to at the State Fair? Um, Trampled by turtles. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm going to see them the night before in Moorhead. Are you really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I have tickets. I think we're going down to see that. Good music. uh, Good food. Uh, what about fishing? Well, uh, it's all it's all about that. I and mean, I know that they listen to Fan Outdoors all the time because uh, they're avid. Yeah, they're avid outdoors guys. That's perfect. Yeah, it's not, that's not bad, is it? What advice can we give them? Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Billy, <laughs> you were talking about bass. Yeah. Well, uh, Dave Simonette is a, uh, he is the, the lead singer, and Dave is a, uh, I think he's a, uh, he's a fly fisher, uh, and he's, he's been on with us, and I can't really remember, but I know he, he grew up in Duluth, and he frequents a lot of the establishments up there, too. <laughs> but if, if advice on bass, man, go do it. Just go have fun. What's your advice on bass? I'm I'm going to switch roles tonight, and I'm going to ask you questions. Aha! <laughs> this may not be the night for it, but give it a whirl, uh, Jason. Hey, really, I'm struggling just to have a voice, man. It's almost gone. It leaves and comes and goes. Um, you know, bass fishing this time of year, as I said earlier in the program, it's a great time of year to go bass fishing because the, the shallow fish are active. The weed line fish frogging. are... Frogging is fun, and it's a great way to go. 
just because of the action, I think. What do you think? Well, what about, uh, like, water dogs? Live bait? Yeah. I've never fished live bait for bass, buddy. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Never have. You know, when I do a guide trip and I have a water dog in the boat, and I can put this, it's an, okay, for the listeners, it's a salamander that is in the aquatic stage. So they have gills. Yeah. And you flop them out on the floor, and they have legs, too. Yep. <laughs> so they just walk across the bottom of the boat, and you catch big bass on those. Well, you do. <laughs> How do you hook something like that? Nah, you just hook it in the lips. That's about the same you know, way you just, that's Jason, that's about the same way you hook a frog. Yeah, I, I used to fish a long, long time ago. That's about the I used to fish live frogs, but very honestly, I quit when they put their front feet over the hook and just kind of push. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of hard to see when you hook them. I know, but they it's just like the water dogs; they work great. Well, I, I got to ask right. you, Jason, when you got these water dogs, and do you you know have to kind of wait you give them a few minutes or do you set the hook right away do you got a quick strike rig how you, how you setting that up no you just you just used like a the same hook that you use for a wacky rig okay you just hook them through the mouth will will they when you use them do they they swim real hard will they go swim down or do they stay on the surface uh no they they swim down Okay. And so you just have to feel with the rod tip. You just have to pull back and think of dragging the bait on the bottom. Well, what I'm guessing that walleyes and pike eat those too, don't they? They do. Yeah. But uh, if if you want to use a water dog, you're probably going to catch a bass. Oh, okay. Interesting. Now, do you are they the 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 kind of a a greenish, a dark green color? Yeah, no, they're brown, brown and yellow spotted. Okay, all right. Because I use plastic that's kind of, in fact, I, now I'm struggling with my voice, I forget it. Uh, it's like a, a brown-green in a color. I, that's one of my favorite colors. I don't think color matters that much. Oh, okay. Interesting. Honestly, as long as it's dark. All right. Um, as long as you have something that is black, brown, purple, something like that. Well, what about with with walleyes, Jason? They always talk about using chartreuse something. Yeah, that's influential. Will that make a difference? Y- yeah, it does. Uh, but it depends on what you're using, like a crankbait, um you know, it depends on the presentation that you're giving to the fish. All right. Um, now, there's nothing in nature, really, that's uh, chartreuse, is there? No. So what's funny is that we use night crawlers all the time. Yeah. And you've never jumped into the lake. That's true. And seen a school of night crawlers swimming through there. That well, that's a little like plastic worms for bass too. You're right. Um, 
course, there's a lot of creature baits that I think don't exist in real life, too. It's kind of like water dogs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, how's fishing been up in your part of the world? Fishing's been good. Is it really? Really good. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing that I could tell anybody that's coming up here or anywhere in the world is if you want to catch more and bigger fish, you have to go fishing. I've told this to Billy so many times. <laughs> this but is... I want to hear more about his bass fishing right now. Well, you know, and one of the things that I that I like to do, Jason, I like to fish a jig or mushroom, uh, mushroom, light mushroom jig and four to a seven and a half inch worm along the weed edges. Why are you doing that instead of fishing like the lily pads? I, a lot of people ask me about the lily pads and the reeds. Why do you do that instead of the lily pads? Well, the lily pads are attractive because you can see them and that a lot of people will gravitate to uh, sight fishing. And they can be a great they can be they can be great, but not all the time will fish hit top water. Uh, they'll hit them. But the best time of day usually is early and late, or else if you get uh, cloud cover. But I'm of the opinion, too, that, that I enjoy fishing deep water. And I enjoy fishing a weed edge, especially if you can follow a weed line with your electronics and find All a, right. a turn. Let me stop you right there. Okay. How can, how can you find weed edges? Get in if, the boat. If, if you've got a 14-foot boat, and no electronics. How can how can you do that? It's tough. I mean, I'll just flat say it's difficult with no electronics. Um, and I I would guess unless the water is really clear, and you can look down to see where it is. But as the water gets clearer, the weeds grow deeper and deeper. But your electronics are your eyes down deep too. That's where. It makes a big difference. If I was when I was growing up, we had no electronics, and we just basically went early and late and fished top water or shallow water with a a, a shallow running plug and just cast and, we and still fish. Yes, yes. Yeah. So for the listeners, you know what they can do, they can go on to their smartphone apps and they can find Navionics. And I'm I'm not sponsored by this company. Right. I'm just trying to be helpful. And I think I think I think the fee is about ten bucks. And they can just get the GPS coordinates and they can see where the lake level drops, where the weed line is, and that's gonna help everybody out a lot. And the same thing ice fishing, Jason, wouldn't you think? Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, that's a that's a great tool to have ice fishing. When you say tool, you're absolutely right. You can you can go out to where the contours are on the lake, and you're going to be, I don't know, 50, 60, 80% better at catching fish. Oh, at least. Why wouldn't you do that? I, I agree. And it's, uh, it's really super easy to do rather than, than drilling mega holes and looking. Oh my gosh. I guide for ice fishing and uh, if I have to drill 10 holes, you know, that's a lot. When I have to drill 100 holes, that's really a lot. 
Well, and the other advantage, Jason, you can look on your phone and you can see where, like you said before, where it's shallow and where it's deep. But you can see if you're out and you're fishing in open water, if there's a hole or you can see an obvious place where there's a turn in the weed line. And you can go and just set up shop there with your boat, drift it, and use your phone, watch the phone. And it's like, it's it's your electronics, and it's just GPS, but the mapping is so good now. I love the word that you used, obvious. And fish just like things. They like differences in yep. the weed line. In, it could be a tire, you know, a piece of wood. Anything like that. Yeah, they I, just want to be around things. And I think if people keep in mind too that they are a predator, that they're looking for places to ambush something to eat, that keeps if you keep that in mind too. Whether it be trees that you're fishing along a lay a shore, there's plenty of things to fish shallow too. Shoreline logs. Um, it maybe the sun isn't up quite so high, so you've got a, an edge there where the sun is shining and then another place where it isn't shining yet. Um, those are all edges, maybe boat docks. There are lots well, of edges on a dock. Especially with the big fish. Um, you know, if you, if you want to catch small fish, like sunfish, crappie, you know, you're going to look at weed beds and... I think a lot of people forget that you just need hook sets. You just need a bend in the rod. And when people take kids fishing, you just need a bend in the rod. And they don't care how big they are, do they? No. No. Not one bit. No. They don't, they don't, need, they don't need to catch a 40-inch pike. No. No, in fact, they're probably better off catching some perch because there are going to be more more of them. Yeah, over and over and over, do it again and again. Yeah, I agree, Jason. Hey, we have to take a pause. Can you hold for through for another segment? You bet. Excellent. Jason Durham is our guest. As my uh, my voice crackles and goes in and out and. The coughing comes and goes, but uh, we're appreciative of him taking time with us. And Jason is up in the Park Rapids area. So when he's referencing some of the the places that he fishes, that's it. Uh, we'll take a pause and come back and talk some more with Jason, maybe about some kids' activities. Some kids, if you're going to take a child fishing, how would you do it? You're going to take a new person fishing that's never fished before, that's really curious about it. Does that make a difference in between a child fishing and an adult fishing? I've got questions for Jason, and I bet he's got answers too. Being a kindergarten teacher and all, he will know. We'll be right back after this. This is Fan Outdoors. From the Holiday Station Stores Traffic Center, here's a look at the roads on 94 eastbound. We have a crash on the right shoulder at Head. Plus on 94 westbound, traffic is slow between Riverside Avenue and 35W. On westbound Highway 36, we have a crash on the ramp from Highway 36 westbound to Highway 120. And on 35W northbound, we have a tight pocket between 46th Street and 36th Street. 
35W southbound is also snug between Portland Avenue and Lake Street. And that's traffic on the fan. This report is brought to you by La Quinta Inns and Suites. Hey there, you road warrior business traveler. Want to win on your next summer road trip? Stay at La Quinta with stylish, updated lobbies and renovated rooms. You've got two more ways to win at business. Book now at LQ.com. Ow. Couple minutes before the eight o'clock hour on Fan Outdoors, we'll be with you until the nine o'clock hour. Billy Hildebrand here, along with Mike Curry, fresh off vacation, he's renewed and revigorated, and he's all set to rock and roll. I think uh, permanent vacation, as they say now. That's all right. Our guest, Jason Durham from the Park Rapids area, uh, professional guide up there, also both on soft water and. In the hard water, on the hard water, not in the hard water, but on the hard water. Um, Jason, when you're taking somebody, when you're guiding brand new people to fishing, um, how does that change your approach to it? Does it change it? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, think about that. Uh, Fishing is relative where, you know, I think back to when I was, I don't know, eight or nine years old. I'd never caught a walleye. Uh, the most number of bass I'd ever caught in a day was one. And, yeah, I, if you get people one fish, two fish, three fish, it's like Dr. Seuss. Yeah. And, uh, and if you get those those couple bites, that's a good day. How is that not? Yeah, I agree. And well, what about what about with the skill wise with a rod and reel? Um, I'm sure that, and, and I have had people that are not very skilled with it, which really dictated uh, what we fished and how we fished. Did you do the same thing? Yeah, I I wish that everybody would use spinning reels. Yeah, I uh, I agree. You know, you can you can land every fish in the lake on that rig, uh, but a lot of people still use the Zebco 202s, and that's what's easiest. But that's not what's best. Go with a spinning reel. You know, bait casters. <laughs> you know, that's a whole other story. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how I would get hooked in the boat. Well, even the the spin casts are great for kids because it's yeah. easy and they can cast. But the the drags on them are are so what terrible yeah that's it that works <laughs> that's simple <laughs> that works and it's and it's just as easy to teach somebody using spinning gear as it is a spin caster it really is that that much difficult and, and especially when you can feel it when you've got the the spinning uh, reel you've got it in your fingers and you can control it where a push button sometimes that is you know you forget to release it a finger you can always let go I had a four-year-old girl in the boat the other day, and uh, she didn't hold the rod. I did. But when I got a bite, I let the line go. We were using, you know, live bait rigs, and I just let the line go. And then I'd whisper to her, Ava, come get the rod. And she caught more fish than anybody. (laughs) And that's fun, Jason. I agree with you. That's super fun. It really is. I I had a trip one time with a, a pair of, 
uh, an adult and his two daughters. And one daughter sat in, in the back of the boat with Dad talking business. And the other girl, <laughs> the other girl was standing, was with me in the front. And when I, when I get a bite, I just kind of give her a little bit of nudge and we'd switch rods and nobody would say anything. So she was catching <laughs> these fish. And it la- she caught about 15 and her sister didn't catch any until all of a sudden uh, her sister announced that I'm done fishing now. We're going in. Hey, ask the listeners this. Have them chime in. What's a good day of fishing? Whether you're fishing walleyes or bass or perch, what number is a good day? Well, they can I'll put that question out there. The uh, the Bradshaw and Brian inbox is wide open, or you can tweet me too. Uh, Bradshaw and Brian inbox six five one nine eight nine five three two six or eight hundred three two zero five three two six. And I can start. I can't that. wait to hear. I can start this, Jason, by just saying that. Different parts of the country, a good a good day is measured differently, or just your experience. Yeah, but when when I get down south, I and I was amazed when I got down the first time to um, Truman Lake. The the everybody was talking about how many how many bites you get today, how many bites you get today, and I thought to myself, Minnesota, we get an awful lot of bites. Yeah, we do. And we're kind of spoiled on that area, too, with our fishery up here. Are we spoiled? Yeah, I, I think mean, so. really. Yeah, Are I we think. spoiled? I, I think we've got really, really good fishing, Jason. We're blessed. Yes, we we're are. so blessed. Yes, we are. And, and our limits are liberal. I, I think that, you know, anybody coming from the south, yeah, they're going to have a good time when they come here. Well, and the other thing is, Jason, too, with with some of the tournament fishing, we can we can go pretty much anywhere just to get to water. But people in Illinois and and some of the states over there, they'll drive five or six hours just one way just to fish for a day and turn around and drive that man that long home. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's like every guy trip that I do. People have to drive like ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. I've said it before. You can pick up in this area. You can pick up a rock and throw it, and you're going to hit water. That's not bad. And sometimes you'll even hit a fish doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Jason, with with the lakes that you have available to you, do they have unique and very distinct personalities? Yeah. And the crazy thing is, you know, when I take people out there every day. I show them, like, look at this shoreline where you have just sand, clean sand, and then you have this opposite shoreline where you've got rock. That was because a glacier came through here, yeah. you know, thousands of years ago, and it carved out this lake, and people can't envision that. It's wild. It is, and uh, it it makes for a unique transition and if you've got those kinds of bottom content or even the 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 structures it do you fish them differently too then the structure i'm glad you brought that up like you have all these humps and just you know rocky shorelines 
Yeah, absolutely. If you want to talk about the best lakes for walleye or smallmouth, yeah, glaciers kind of, well, they've helped me out. I, I know when you drive west on I-94, when you get up past Alexandria and you're heading toward the Dakotas or to Moorhead, all of a sudden you see lots and lots of small potholes with the, the glacial moraine area, and it's amazing when you do and you notice it because it's at 70 miles an hour, it doesn't take you long, and you're right in the middle of it. And if you if you just not pay any attention, you're missing all the different various topographies that are out there. And I'm not sure. I'm sure that your area is similar, too. Yeah, it's very similar, and people don't see it. When you just look out, out at a lake, you you don't notice that. That's where GPS helps out. Well, yeah. But, but, yeah, people look out at the lakes, and they just say, hey, this is where I'm staying. And you and I as anglers, we look at the GPS, and we see – Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like this, this glacier has come through, you know, a couple thousand years ago. And this is the reason that there's this topography. Yeah. And it's probably the reason we have all the lakes that we do too and the water that we have available. To oh, for sure. Um, and the, the fishing, the, the quality of fishing. Most, a lot of the places, about mo- I don't know about most. A lot of the places in the south are man-made because they're dammed and backed up, and they're you know, when you got water that uh, backs up and they they just fill forests up. So you're you're um, run, you're going right alongside trees that are standing in forty feet of water. It's amazing to me. Almost everything here doesn't have a dam. Right. Almost everything here is glacial. Yeah. Uh-huh. So just ice that ripped apart the bottom. Of the earth, that's incredible. It is, and it's really fun too. Um, yeah. When you, when you're talking to people up there, Jason, and you get further north into the uh, the edge of the boundary waters, into the boundary waters as a smallmouth, I've heard stories about where they have originated and where they came. But have you do you ever have you ever given any thought to that or talked to anybody about it? The origins of smallmouth? Well, where they came from and how they got into some of these these lakes up there that are so secluded. Well, you know, I think what's more interesting is how we got everything else. The AIS, the Aquatic Invasive Species. No. And we've, we've gotten that from everywhere. From Europe, from France, uh as for smallmouth, you know, I think they're pretty much native. Well, I but, but I don't know. I had heard that when they were logging and the loggers were coming out on railroads, that they brought cream cans or cans with fish in it, <laughs> and they would drop some of these these smallies in water, knowing that they would become a food source later on. I I don't doubt it. At the same time, I mean, why would somebody do that? Well, they they weren't walleye fishermen, obviously. They didn't they didn't understand how good they were tasting. Uh, well, and some people didn't. You know, they a lot of people in the south and in the east they they eat bass, uh, uh, and up here we they it's you know somewhat frowned upon. Yeah, 
I agree. Uh, Mike says, and he writes us to the uh, Bradshaw and Brian inbox, he said, a good day of fishing is just a few bites, and just being on the water, anything more is a bonus. And so when I when I guide, you know, I I can take up to seven different people in my boat. And there was a day, you know, about ten days ago, where I had five guys in the boat, and nobody had a line in. They were just sitting there talking, yeah, and just enjoying the day. How is that bad? That's not bad. I mean, that's it's not bad. No, and that's probably one of the ways that fishing is a release for everybody, too. A release is a good term. So I get asked almost every single day, have you ever had a jerk in a boat? And I never have. No, nah, I don't think so either. No. How can you be upset when you have a glorious day and you're out on the water? How is that bad? Yeah, I agree, Jason. I agree. Hey, man, we are going to let you go, and we will uh, catch up on down the road. But I thank you for your time this evening. Look forward to it again. And, uh, hey, to everybody that's listening, go out and catch a fish. There you go, You can't catch one unless you actually get out on the water. That's right. Get a line wet. Go do it. That's Jason Durham. Uh, joining us from the Park Rapids area up there and getting ready for the uh, upcoming school year. Um, we've got a caller on hold asking, and I'll just let Mike answer this Uh-oh. one, too. Andrew is calling us from Prior Lake. Andrew, good evening, sir. Are you there? Andrew, good evening. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad, buddy. Hey, so driving around uh, southern Minnesota here, there seems to be a lot of white, viney, light green flowering type vine growing just about on everything. What what is that? Where is it coming from? That I don't know. I'm not very much into horticulture, and I really don't know. Huh. Well, it's a good question. We'll see if we can find out for you, Mike. I appreciate it. You bet. I I don't know. I mean... I'm supposed to know this stuff, but I don't. Well, you know what? We don't know everything, but you know what? Our listeners do. So hopefully that uh, somebody will uh, give us a holler uh, and let us know what that might be. The only the only weird thing I've heard this year uh, is that there was a big fish kill out in Big Stone this, this last week, and I thought maybe that's where he was going to go with some of the potential fish kills out there. But it, uh, um, nature, nature has a different way of uh, uh, showing that she's angry sometimes. Yeah. It's uh, I there's there's a lot of different things now with with different vegetation. We'll have to ask Stan about that when he gets back. But right now he's Ooh. up in Alaska. Oh, really? And oh. he's going up for a week or two. But he'll be uh, going it back up into um, uh, Denali oh. by himself. Really? And talking about we were talking about bears a couple of weeks ago on Saturday Fan Outdoors, and and he's. He he has to, he said he has to be very careful. Absolutely, and that makes quite a difference. So I'm anxious oh, to talk to him. And see where that'd going. be fascinating. I've absolutely been fascinated with bears, and I've I've read all the bear mauling books that are out there. The ones are Yellowstone and Alaska, and I find it fascinating. And I find that uh, most often uh, we have a tendency to get in the way of the bear, 
and whether it be through building or through uh, maybe uh, getting in between them and some cubs or between them and some food. And so everything else, uh, you know, as long as you wear your, your bells on your on your boots, you're probably in just fine shape. Well, one of our listeners that's out there right now, and I know he's listening, as we were turkey hunting on a wildlife area, he walked and we separated. It was in the evening. He was going to go out and see if we could get turkeys, and we neither one of us did. But he got back. I think I was back before him. And uh, he came with us hustling back. Well, he said he walked back in there crawling down through brush looking for an opening to get there. And ahead of him, he looked up in the tree, and there were two little tiny oh, bear cubs. Oh, oh! And he backed up big time, and it was just he said, "Mama, I'm leaving. Mama, I'm leaving. Mama, I'm getting out of here." Oh my God, that would be a scary uh, situation. You just don't want to put yourself in that. And you know, there's what is he supposed to do? You if. If you're not out there, you won't run into these sort of, uh, well, shall we say, interesting little uh, st- potential stories uh, that might be out there. But uh, you have to be careful. I agree. We are going to take a pause, and we'll be back. We're talking with Chad Bestie next of Bestie Sporting Clays. And talking with Chad because he's got a pretty neat event that takes place this coming Sunday at his place. And he uh, built on to his his uh, clay range just to accommodate high school shooting teams. And does uh, kudos to him, but he's also got uh, a small game farm, too. But we'll talk with Chad about what he's doing to help kids and how come next on Fan Outdoors. This is Fan Outdoors. Come on. back caller writes in and uh, regarding the tree and the vegetation he says that uh, he lives in sibley county and was at lake of the woods last weekend notice that stuff growing on all the in in and in all the vegetation from up there down to the south a widespread and heard someone on the radio up there say it was wild cucumbers. Uh, I don't know if that's the case or not, but sounds good to me. I have no idea. I you really don't. You got to turn your mic on. Oh no, I, I was there. I was there in time. Um, no, I, I, I'm not familiar with it. And uh, well, the asparagus and you guys and your mushrooms and uh, but uh, wild celery, wild asparagus. Yeah, it's all. It's all the same to me. Sounds, sounds good to me. I'm, I'm a meat I'm potatoes. Gonna go, I'm going to go with it. I'm a meat potatoes kind of guy. Um, so I, hey, let's bring in our next guest because he is uh, from Sox Center area. His name is Mr. Chad Bestie, and he owns Chad's Sporting Clays up there just west of town on Highway 28. Chad, good evening, sir. Hello. How are you? 
Oh, not too bad. It's, it's, it's a nice night. We had some guys shooting sporting clays tonight and just wrapping it up. Well, good for you. It's, are, are you, is your sporting clay field, are you pretty busy with that? Yeah, we've been pretty busy all summer here. Now to pick up a little before hunting season, we'll get a lot of lock-ins trying to tune up for duck and early goose hunting. Well, I, I noticed or I, I talked with a, a guy earlier this summer and uh, kudos to you for adding on to your place, too, to accommodate the high school trap teams. Yeah, we have two trap fields right now, and Sock Center trap team shoots here, and Melrose trap team will shoot here in the springtime. Well, and I also noticed, Chad, that you have a, an event coming up this Saturday that has to do with kids also, just like that. Yeah, we're having a youth shoot. On August 19th, it runs from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., and kids will be able to shoot trap or sporting clays if they want, and there will also be uh, archery. We'll have archery where we'll have bow, bow and arrows out here for the kids to shoot, and we'll have instructors for, for all the events. And I was I was remiss in that it, it's on Sunday, correct? Not Saturday. Yeah, Sunday, August nineteenth. So is this just available to the Sox Center trap team? No, this is available to anybody that you know if they're in you know ages twelve to eighteen. Okay, income. It doesn't matter, you know, if they're Stearns County or over. Anywhere in the area, it's, it's open to the public. Anybody that wants to come and participate. And uh, 12 to 18, they, I'm sure they'll need to bring a shotgun then and their own shells, Chad, correct? No, the ammo and targets will be provided. The Pheasants Forever and the Sock Center Conservation Club are helping host this event. And, and the Sox Hunter Archery Club, they'll, they'll be bringing the bow and arrows. So ammo and uh, the targets are all provided. And then there's also going to be a lunch provided at noon there. So there'll be hamburgers and hot Do, dogs and no, food no, for the kids. No clay pigeons for lunch? <laughs> no, no clay pigeons. I have yet to find anybody that's got a good recipe for me. Have you heard of any? <laughs> no, no, none, none for that. Well, I, I really they, appreciate they're, you. They're, they're easy to clean. They're really easy to clean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> have, do kids have to sign up ahead of time, Chad? No, they can walk in. If if they want to call and they have a larger group, we can we can kind of schedule them in, but they, they can just walk in. Okay, and that's yeah. once again this Sunday from 10 o'clock in the morning until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Right, and we also are going to have a little dog training seminar. Pete Fisher from Fisher's Kennel will give a little dog show or seminar from like noon to one. Well, do you also have some uh, some hunting opportunities for game farm hunt, game farm shooting too, Chad? Yes, we will be starting pheasants and chuckers right after Labor Day, or unless it cools down a little more. But we'll have guide dogs available and bird clean, clubhouse, and and we're even just put in some, uh, for campers, we, we put in some 30-amp and 50-amp services, so we'll have room for campers this fall also. 
Well, Chad, uh, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing up there, and, and it's important. But what, why are you doing it? What, what's in it for, uh, for, your, um, uh, for your club up there, or what's really in it for you? Well, for the club, we getting the kids started as early as we have, it, it's, how would you say, it's increasing traffic through, through the sporting clays and through the trap. But it, it was kind of a sport that was dying. Now it's come back to life quite a bit with these trap teams and all these young kids getting started. And it's, it's going to, how would you say, help all hunting and the, and the sporting, how, how would you say, the sporting clays and all that for years to come. Yeah, yeah, we need those those kids. We need those parents to get involved uh, going forward. Uh, but how about um, when you're uh, when well, the people and the volunteers that you have going out there and helping? Uh, what does it mean to them when they're when they're showing somebody how to how to do something like this? Well, a lot of the instructors they they, they like when the young kids are coming, you know, and it's say they're twelve and it's their first time, and you get them shooting clays and you. You get them to break targets, you know, and the kids just get all enthused and and happy about it, and they have a hard time believing they actually broke the target. So, <laughs> no, it's it, it's fun getting them started, and then once they get started, you know, they want to just keep going. <laughs> yeah, and then they, and then they're bringing their dads down or their uncles and whoever will bring them down here, and 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 they can go shoot with them. Well, it, I'm sure with the high school kids coming and the, the trap teams. Chad, that's got to be kind of fun just for yourself, somebody like yourself, just kind of standing back and watching the improvement as the season goes on. Well, at some of these, it does. From the beginning of the trap season to the end, you can, uh, some of them kids, they get, they really turn it on. They go up, they, or how would you say, they're, they catch on the gun swing and proper gun mount and, and their scores improve, and, and then they just get excited about it, and then they tell their friends, and then they start to bring a few more. Like this year, between Sox, Center, and Melrose, we had probably 66 kids shooting. Wow. Next year, I'd be surprised if we didn't have somewhere between, oh, I'd say 70 to 90 kids. And I think, it's, it's gonna, uh, do you have girls coming out too, Chad? Yeah, both Sox Center and Melrose, we had a full squad of about five girls per team. And, okay. And in Sox Center, we had, there was the junior varsity. We had one girl place first in Alexandria Trap Shoot or when we were up there that day in our section. She got first place in JV, so that was that was quite an accomplishment. Yes, I agree. Well, Chad, congratulations and kudos to you for what you're doing up there, too. And uh, once again, we'll invite people to stop on by Besties Sporting Clays. And and it's this Sunday for youth ages 12 to 18. And yeah. the ammo is provided. There will be a lunch on the field. And you just... Bring an adult if you don't drive and and enjoy the day, and there's going to be all kinds of activities. I think it it sounds, Chad, like people could come at, at uh, when it begins and spend the afternoon there, too. 
Right, and and they are going to be giving away door prizes also, so the little kids can sign up for. There'll be some fishing poles and whatever the guys. Some guys will go to the local store and buy some prize, some door prizes for the kids. Excellent. Hey, sir. Oh, tell us how how do people find you? Um, it's easy if you you're coming from from the cities. There, just take the Sock Center I ninety four exit, and and you turn on seventy one. And we're just west of town on State Highway 28. Okay. We're, we're about two miles out there, two and a half miles out there in our state. So Excellent. Really, really easy to get to. Hey, man, thank you for your time this evening, and have a good time this weekend, too. All right, thanks. You bet. That's Chad Bestie from Bestie Sporting Clays up in the Sox Center area. That The shooting sports has just taken off. It's it been unbelievable uh, with the number of kids and families getting involved. It, it really should uh, be the next step into the outdoors for some of these kids, and I hope they they take it seriously and and get into the the hunting aspect of it too. But but just being able to compete, these kids, their their eye hand coordination, I swear, has a lot to do with the you know playing video games. They do such a great job with shooting. Well, and the thing is, it's the the shooting sports. You don't have to be the biggest, or you don't no. have to be the fastest. Or exactly. You don't. It doesn't make any difference if you're male or female. Practice, practice, um, practice. And it's something you can do for a long, long time on into your later life. Uh, the the clay shooting is really fun, even if you don't move over toward the honey aspect. Just the idea, and it's changed so much as far as the fear that people have of guns. Well, and, and that's the biggest thing. They have yet to have an accident. And we're talking about 100,000 kids here right. over, the, over the years. They don't have accidents because they've got firearm safety. They know how to handle these firearms. They've got one-on-one instructions in a lot of uh, in a lot of the uh, uh, the coaching that's going on, you get lots of individual coaching, and it's uh, I, I know some of the coaches they do a phenomenal job. They're passionate, just like the basketball coach or football coach. Yeah. These uh, shooting coaches, uh, they know that you can't make one mistake, and they are volunteers also. You are correct, sport. sir. Um, but I think this weekend and Sunday, if if you are uh, if you're in the area and you want to. You want to make a trip up there, too, on 94. When you get on 94, it's an hour and a half. Yeah, it's a nice weekend trip. Yeah, and when you get up off the freeway, off I-94, if you're coming from the east, from the Twin Cities, turn left on Highway 71, and 28 is only down about half a mile. Take a right on Highway 28, and it goes out a couple miles, and you'll see Bestie Sporting Glaze. You can't miss it. Um, so it's, you know, kudos to them. We'll take our last pause of the evening, and on our return, I want to tell you about a couple of events. One begins tomorrow, and another one, well, I've got some things to do with that. So if you'd like to come and laugh. <laughs> yeah. I've... I, I, I want to see pictures. That's all I can say. <laughs> that might and have a good time along with some good food. Uh, you may enjoy that. And there's some awesome prizes, too. I'll tell you about that, too. So uh, hang on. We'll be back right after this with one more segment of Thursday Fan Outdoors. This is Fan Outdoors. 
Fantasy Football Draft season is here, and nothing will get you better prepared than KFAN's Fantasy Football Training Camp. Football crazed people just like you and me, all together in one place, August 18th at 4.30, live from Canterbury Park. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. If I can make a living from walking in the woods, you can bet I'd be sitting pretty good high on a hill, looking at a field downwind. If I can make a nickel off of turning in bass. Never worry about the price of gas I've been wheeling and dealing And sitting there reeling them in Hunting, fishing, loving every day That's the prayer that a country boy prays Thank God he made me this way Hunting and fishing and loving every day Well, last segment for this evening, but just a reminder that we'll be back bright and early Saturday morning with Bob St. Pierre and yours truly. But I, I do wanted to I do want to mention um I, I did I met another person who listens to the show religiously and he he is living in New York. And he's a member of the armed services too, but he is listened because he's a former Minnesotan. And he enjoys the Minnesota outdoors so much that he uh, he gets kind of a, a down home feeling by listening to the program. Nice. And very nice. I uh, I just wanted to say that uh, Vince was at the wedding this last weekend, but really really a neat guy. And he and Eric are planning a a trip uh, up to I think up into the Appalachians. Uh, in next year at least they're talking about it now but he's very self-sufficient i'm sure in the uh in the woods nice uh, we do have lots of listeners uh, everywhere we go uh, I, I oh i i had somebody i'm i'm gassing up in international falls and one of the guys uh was uh, that was up there recognized me he was from presence forever and he said hi i just wanted to say hi to you guys love the show i mean it's you just never know where you're gonna uh, to run into somebody that listens to Fan Outdoors and, and KFAN. Yeah. Well, if you're looking for some activities this weekend, uh, Frankie's up in Chisago City. Frankie is having his annual tournament uh, begins tomorrow, and it's a two-day tournament, Saturday, Friday, and Saturday. And after that, I think Saturday they're going to have a, a dance and all kinds of goings-on in Chisago, and it, it should be great fun. It is every year. So if you'd like to come up and see some big fish wade because they have an off-site permit for weighing fish at Frankie's, and then they get put right back into the uh, the bait tanks, the oxygenated bait tanks, and the fish go back into the lakes, either North, South Center, or Green Lake, and they go back into the lakes from which they came. So it's a fun event, lots of nice fish. The fish up there are getting bigger. But stop by Frankie's live bait and marine this weekend i'll be up there tomorrow and mike will also uh but inviting you to stop on by oh they're going to have food the weigh-ins the street dance there's all there's a kids fishing event on on saturday uh afternoon uh really you just need to go into frankie's to uh, and get your kids involved with that and every kid's going to walk away with a prize yep that's a that's a neat deal 
So then if you're coming up and you're bringing a child up to uh, Besties, if you'd like to stop by Saturday evening from 6 to 9 o'clock out at Birchwood Resort, where the pizza is excellent, I will be waiting on tables. And, sorry, sorry, I don't mean to laugh, Bill. Yeah, and and we're gonna we're gonna have a great time. We've got some really really nice prizes also, and we're gonna have some silent auctions. But we're gonna have prizes that you will just randomly win. We're going to everybody that comes in will get a ticket, and we'll draw we'll draw from those for some nice things. And it's all a fundraiser for Pheasants Forever. Any of the tips that I get go to it. And if I get any, well, you better, the, folks, you better not be tipping him just ten percent because he is—he's really, you know, he's been under the weather. He's going to be putting everything he can into that pizza. He's going to be probably making the pizza, delivering it, and um, he'll box it up for you, and maybe even bring you a libation. Well, but it's going to be fun, and I think this is the beginning. We're going to see if we can make this an annual an annual occasion. And John and Lisa are the owners at Birchwood and really, really nice people. They've got a couple of items that are going to be silent auctioned off. That One is a carving, a hand carving of a pheasant that hangs on the wall that's... That's gorgeous. Pretty. Yeah. And then there's a stained glass piece also that's also handmade that they, uh, that they did and that they're having, they had done. And that's going to be available too. But then there's going to be a Yeti cooler, courtesy of Pheasants Forever. Those are those are nice. They're expensive. Uh, I know they are. They they work. But how about you? You mentioned something that I was interested in, and that was the Starkey hearing protection. You're going to have something that a couple of those going on too. We will have a couple of those. They are donated to us by Starkey Foundation, and uh, thank you to them for uh, for making this happen because that's pretty important. If uh, you want to keep hearing on into your adulthood, uh, and it also enhances game so- game sounds and deadens gunshots, so your hearing is protected, so especially go, for young people. So you go shooting in the morning, and then you go win a, a, a one of those, or is that you, you have to bid on that, or is that uh, part of the general raffle? We're going to make a decision Saturday morning. Okay, so then get that, and so that you'll have your hearing for the rest of your life, and yeah. that's and that's pretty doggone important. Yeah, and those are a two hundred dollar piece. They're four hundred dollars. Wow, uh, retail. So lots of lots of nice gifts and more uh, that'll be available to people up there. But it's all a fundraiser for Pheasants Forever, and Birchwood is also giving uh, Pheasants Forever ten percent of the till that night. Oh, so we're it's we're not going to raise a lot of money, perhaps, but we're going to have a great time doing it. That's the best. Uh, that's the best way. Money is money is a bonus. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And uh, once again, I just want to say thank you to Gathered Oaks for hosting an incredible wedding event. And if if you would uh, like to know more about it, call Andrew up there, or go onto Facebook and look up Gathered Oaks, and you can. Uh, there's pictures of it up there too. But you can go fishing at your wedding, or you can drink beer in the audience of the wedding. <laughs> It, it all works the same, and have uh, Meredith St. Pierre as your uh, uh, as your pastor. Meredith married the 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 couple, and it was a unique, in my opinion, it was unique as can be because it was special, and it was aimed right at Eric and Danielle, and it was so fun. No, nothing generic about it. No, sir. 
No, it was all very, very unique, and it was uh, all Meredith. She did an absolutely fabulous job. Well, I, I saw a lot of the photos uh, online, and you and Deb, uh, I know, are awful proud of of uh, both Eric and Danielle. They've uh, done a marvelous job. It looks like they're going to be tremendous uh, adult uh, wedding and parents going forward and uh, look forward to seeing little Eric's and Danielle's running around here soon. We will find out. <laughs> no we pressure. Are. No pressure. No pressure. No, no, no. <laughs> How about yourself? What are you up to? I'm gonna. It, it's all about fishing tournament this weekend, and then I'm gonna be heading up to the cabin. I've got. We're gonna do the last of the major work on the cabin, and then I can all do the. Uh, I can do the fixer upper stuff, but we're gonna put some trusses in and and um, stabilize the cabin. And class fives going in, and septic tank just went in. I'm just about to the point, Bill, where I can really get some hunting in this fall and not have to worry about things falling apart on me, including myself. Ah, okay. Um, this came, let's see, I guess I, they, somebody has some more, has another reply about the, uh, the flowering vegetation crawling up the trees, but it just says, uh, he says that the vines are crawling up and killing trees. Uh, and they are now flowering in a high state of activity. So I'm not sure exactly about what that is. It, it sounds like an invasive species, but I'm not sure. It doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, I will be up, like I said, in Sox Center. I have not had much chance to fish recently, too, because it's just been busy, 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 and uh, hopefully coming up now pretty quick. There's not much boat traffic on the lake. But I, I think that I'm probably going to switch things over and leave the walleyes behind and, and go out and see if I can catch largemouth. And and it is time to get the dogs a little bit more in condition for this fall, too. We need to have some cooler weather than 90 degrees. I'm hearing this week, this next week might be in the 70s, which would be I, I hope so. a welcome relief yeah. after all these 90s. I, I hope so, because, yeah, you're right, and it's not just the dogs. It's the legs, too. And it's the legs, for, and it's the lakes right now that are taking a pounding, like I said. Big Stone had a big die-off because of algae uh, issues out there and calm waters and no oxygen. I mean, hundreds and thousands of fish. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, didn't make it, and uh, that's not good. But algae was dying, and you know, dying vegetation uses up oxygen. And literally, when in fact, when when I talked to those guys today, when the bullheads die, you know, it's really bad because they are very strong survivors with very little oxygen and. And they were uh, in, in uh, dying in, in quite some numbers. That must be shallow water then. Uh, it, generally speaking, uh, it it was, but it really uh, because the what wind there was was blowing into that into a smaller area, and a lot of the vegetation was dying. Not only the algae, uh, but a lot of that happens at night uh, where there's really no control over it. And you know, where's the algae come from? It's it's uh it's all about habitat and what's going into the lake. Yeah, and uh, a lot of that is phosphorus. I I'm not saying I'm just saying. Well, a lot of it's phosphorus. It a lot is. of it is is uh, uh, farm runoff mm -hmm. uh, with uh, animals and that, and that makes a big difference. And that uh, working really hard to uh, clean up some of the water because that's that's important too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's you know they found you know four and five pound bass and walleyes perch crappies you know the whole catfish that were that that were non-existent but you know you know nature was finding a way to take care of that right away the gulls were having a heyday and the eagles and, and birds uh, and it really doesn't take long for it to decompose but it's not something that 
that the fisheries managers made sure that, you know, make sure you don't have your dog out in that sort of situation and drinking the water. And for certainly don't put your kids in the water in, in that portion of a lake or dying lake uh, where you do see a, a fish population that's uh, that's dead. That blue-green algae is something that, that that dog owners, when you're in the field, need to be real aware of because it will kill a dog. And oftentimes, even if you carry water with you, a dog will be very thirsty afield and run into it and lap it up. Uh, and I'm not sure how to treat a dog, but then it would be a, a good deal to have uh, to have a vet, have your own vet, and have the number and give them a call and find out. Yeah, and do, and, but you have to do it immediately. There's there's uh, not much of a waiting period on that. Now, game ferrets on their second weekend, and they will begin tomorrow. So if you're looking for that to do, that's ongoing out in Anoka. And uh, one of the vets that are there answering questions, you might stop and ask them, is Dr. Dennis Gallenberg. He and his wife Kim are, are vets out there, and they're entertaining questions from people uh, about their animals and things like that. And with the heat, maybe there's a obvious question to ask about that as far as heat stroke and that with the dogs. But you need to keep them hydrated and you need to keep them cool. And if you're going to run your dog, I would run it early, not later on in the day, because uh, if you think about how warm you get, that dog down in the grass gets no wind, nothing like that whatsoever. They're low to the ground, and my dogs are even lower to the ground because they're Brittany and they're really relatively short-legged. Although the young one seems to hop a lot, <laughs> um, all fours, just like a <laughs> it looks it looks like, like a mule deer. <laughs> a, uh, yeah, it looks like a spring buck. I think. Well, next, but next week, you know, we got to come out and visit us at the fair. You know, bring the double wide strollers out there. Uh, wear your pheasants forever and KFN hats. And what one of these days, Bill, are we ever going to have a T-shirt out there? Uh, maybe not a T-shirt, but there might be KFN fan outdoors hats. Really, sure. might be, might be. I know it was discussed, so we'll find out if they are there. When you when you get there, you'll have to stop and take a look. I I will have to stop and take a look. Well, I'll have to stop and get one or two. I'm, the ones I've got have been through the washer about ten times now. It's, I think I'm ready for a new one. I I tend not to wash mine. They just get dirty and well broken. Uh, yeah, but th- th- they've gotten to the point where they kind of stand alone in the corner by themselves, and you have to wash them every oh, once in a while. No, that's what makes them good. No, 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 no. I've got ones that still have AM eleven thirty on it. So anything <laughs> I have has AM eleven thirty on it. Um, but that's a that's about it for our evening this evening. Um, once again, invite you out to Frankie's to stop by tomorrow or Saturday. Uh, you can stop by Game Fair. Lots of things going on out there. It's kind of an annual rite of passage into fall. And uh, lots and lots of things going is from dogs to decoys to guns to just chit-chat and renewing old acquaintances. Yeah, do they have uh, the uh, the Q&A out there? Do they with, uh, with potential uh, gubernatorial uh, candidates? I do not know. I think that might be this weekend. I do not know. I uh I know they have Q&A with some dog trainers. Tom Dockin will be out there, and uh, there will be puppies on on site, I'm sure. Oh, that's why I can't go. <laughs> but it's not a place to buy a puppy because you do want to uh, you want to look at your breeding and you want to look at the background and the genetics and all that and plan for it because you're going to have that dog for anywhere from 10 to 15 years. 
and you want to get the you want to hedge your bets so to speak and get the best you can possibly get but it's a great place for, to ask questions and 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 quite frankly you know everybody every trainer out there has a little bit different method out there but you need to Q&A them a little bit and uh decide for yourself which is uh, the best method for you and you can see all kinds of other breeds if oh you're my god primarily a lab guy and that's all you've seen in your life you're going to see all kinds of different dogs. Labradoodles. And you're welcome to bring a dog as long as it's leashed and walking with you. Greyhounds. And then the, the dock jumping, I always enjoy sitting and watching that because the guys will, their dog will charge down to the end of the dock <laughs> and they put the brakes on and then just kind of either fall off the end of the dock or they leap long ways. Yeah, that's worth the price of admission right there. It's fun. Hey, the music is playing. If uh, that means we got to duck out of here. So we will do that. I will say thank you to Eric Thorson for joining us, uh, Jason Durham, and Chad Bestie. Thank you for allowing Mike and I to travel with you. Uh, so for Zach Halverson, our producer, for Mike Curry, I'm Billy Hildebrand. Have a great evening, everybody. We will see you right here in the fan at 6 a.m. Saturday morning. You're going to come? I hope so. Good night. This is Fan Outdoors.